Uh, my name is Josh Irvin, if you don't know me, and I'm the youth pastor here. And so every year around New Year's, there's a Sunday where we affectionately call it Youth Pastor Sunday. Because, well, you know, usually the pastors are going, and, and Troy's usually out of town, and, and so they have to rely on the youth pastor to come up. And so this is the same thing this year, and someone really laughed. That, that actually kind of hurt. I think it was Wayne. That hurt, man. And so Pastor Troy and his family, he's in Kansas City. Uh, they went to Mission Focus, and they've been visiting some family. They're going to be traveling back early uh, next week, so be praying for them. And so today I get the honor and the privilege to preach to you guys. And so today we're going to be talking about a very familiar story in 1 Samuel. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel 17, we're going to be doing a lot of reading today. Uh, but this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And I think when you get to this story... It's very easy to read by. You know, if you're in your reading plan, all of a sudden, maybe you're behind, you get to the story of David and Goliath, you're like, well, I've heard this my whole life, so you can kind of skim through it really quick. But the reality is, as you read through this, there's a lot of, of, of ways that the Lord, a lot of things the Lord wants to teach us. And one of the things is, is that he wants to teach us how we can get victory in our lives just by simply following the life of David. And so I'm guessing everyone here uh, likes to be a winner. You know, I don't think anybody grows up in life and says, man, I, I hope I'm a loser. And, and so some of us, some of us may be a little more competitive than others. And so I, I am on that scale. I don't play games just to have fun. If you do that, I wish I could be you, but that's not who I am. Uh, my eight-year-old Gabe got a dude perfect board game for Christmas. And so as a family, we all started playing it and I was losing horribly. And I'm playing a board game with my family, y'all. And, and, and deep down, I'm frustrated. I'm losing. And I, and I wish I could say that this wasn't true, but I, I put on a happy face and Micah got first and I was like, okay, well, I can't win. And then the worst thing possible happened. Casey got second. <laughs> and in, in our household, there's always a competition. Casey's just as competitive as me and I, I never want to lose to Casey. You never want to lose to your wife. And, and so, man, I, I'm a very competitive person and I think in life, we, we all are competitive in a way and we all want to have victory. Nobody wants to be a loser. And when it comes to our lives, we all want victory, but I think in vic with victory in our lives, it, it can all look very different, can it? To the world and, and to sadly to many Christians, victory is, is just having success and having a good job. Maybe it's power, maybe it's money. Uh, victory might just be seeing your kids be successful in school and academics and in sports. And, and listen, those things are okay. My kids play sports and I, I encourage them to do well in school, but it's not the main priority. Victory to you might just be being able to get out into a tree stand or out into the lake fishing or, or for me, just being able to get out to the golf course even though I'm terrible at it. And it's easy for us to get distracted and it's easy for us if we're not careful to focus all of our life and try to get victories on the things of this world. And sadly, there's so many Christians trying to get victory according to this world standards instead of allowing the Lord to use us to get victory for him. And it's really easy sometimes whenever we're in the midst of this life and, and we're focused on just surviving sometimes and we're, we're in the midst of battles that it all after everything's said and done, every day we wake up, we're in a spiritual war. It's easy to forget that Paul calls us to be soldiers and that we're supposed to fight every single day. And as we seek after victories in our life, sometimes I think we can forget that the real victory and the real battle is for the souls of men and the souls of the women around us. It's it's a, it's a spiritual war going on for, for the well-being of our kids and for the church. And so sometimes we get distracted about what we're really supposed to be fighting for. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves getting victories in this life that, you know what, it has no real eternal impact at all. It means nothing. And the sad reality is, is at the end of the day, those victories are just a waste of time. 
And so this morning, we're going to look at a story of David and Goliath. And once again, I, I know you know this story, but, but I do hope as we go through this that you can just, just ask the Lord to teach you something new. Because in this message, in the, in the title of this message, I called it the path to victory because David's going to show us a path to victory. The Lord wants us to have victory in our life. The Lord wants to use us to change this world. The Lord wants to use us to, to win souls and, and to raise godly kids and, and to be great spouses. He wants to do all that stuff, but we have to do it his way. And so today we're going to see a way to do it his way. And so if you're in 1 Samuel, we're going to start reading and we're going to see that there's a war going on and, and is, the Israelites are in some trouble. The Israelites are, are in the midst of a battle and, and they're not doing so well. And so if you look at verse 3 and it says, And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had uh, graves on his Graves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistines, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And if you jump down to verse 16, it says, And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. So here Israel's in a battle. And it's not going all that well, guys. But this was kind of a unique battle because Israel was on one side of a mountain and the Philistines were on the other side of a mountain. And every day for 40 days, the Philistines sent out their best warrior. They sent him down into the valley and say, Hey, you guys, you guys send your best guy and we're going to fight. The problem was, is their best guy on the Philistine side was Goliath. Now, without going into a bunch of details, if you look into how big Goliath was, the smallest Goliath would have been was probably about nine foot nine. That's a large man. If you know Chad Bowden, he's very tall. He would tower over Chad Bowden, tower over him. But if you do some more research and you look into it, there's a good chance that he was probably 10 to 11 feet tall. The guy was massive. And not only that, he was a warrior. His coat of armor alone, just the, the, what he wore, his armor over his chest was 125 pounds. The head, of the, the head of his spear was 15 pounds. And if you're a warrior, you're going to be able to maneuver very well in that. So that's how strong this guy was. Kind of to put it into perspective, who knows who Shaquille O'Neal is? Wow, I know you guys know who Shaquille O'Neal is. Come on. Who remembers Shaquille O'Neal when he was drafted by the Orlando Magic? Shaquille O'Neal was seven foot one and he was jacked. And if you could get the ball down low to Shaq, no, no one was stopping him. He was going to dunk on you. There, there is just video after video. You guys might not necessarily remember it. You should, you should Google it. it it's, it's a fun time to watch. Shaq was huge. He was only seven foot one. Imagine a guy being three to four foot taller than Shaq and in, in dressed in armor, walking down and saying, let's go, let's fight. For 40 days he did that. 
And for 40 days, Israel avoided the battle. For 40 days, the, the victory just seemed impossible to Israel. And the sad thing is, is Israel had forgotten what the Lord told them over and over and over again in Scripture. In Deuteronomy 21 through 4, it says, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest, seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be, when ye are come nigh unto the battle, that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people, and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, and do not tremble. Neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And God has always promised victory to Israel if they just trust him. And this to me is the saddest part of this story. This is the saddest part, guys, because the reality is, is if one of those soldiers would have said, I'll go fight for the Lord. I'm gonna trust the Lord. They would have walked down they wouldn't have had to waste 40 days. God would have given the victory, but not one of them did it. Not one of them. And this is the sad reality, I think, in so many Christians' life. So many Christians, they want victory, and they want to see the Lord do great things, but you know what they don't do? They don't do it God's way. They don't trust him. They let fear and other things get, get in their way and get distracted. And God is just waiting for each and every one of us just to put our faith in him and do it his way. And so he can give us victory. But luckily, there's one guy who we're going to see is, is going to get, get victory. He's going to trust the Lord, and you all know it's David. And we pick up where David is in verse 14. It says, And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brother an ephah in this parched corn, in these ten loaves, and, and run to the camp to thy brethren. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul, after they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning, and left the sheep with the keeper, and took and went, and Jesse had, as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight, and shouted for the battle. And so here we're going to see David... And we all know he's eventually going to fight Goliath. But here's the thing we have to understand about David. At this point, David wasn't a warrior, warrior like we're going to see him in the coming chapters in 1 Samuel. David would have been a teenager. More likely, David would have been 14 to 17 years old. If David came to First Baptist Church, he's probably sitting over here with these kids. That's about how old he's going to be. He could have even been sitting over here. He was a young, young man. And as we go through this story, I want you all to remember something. God can use anybody to get victory for his kingdom if you're willing just to follow him. Anybody can get victory. And I also want you to remember there is no excuse for us not to get victory for the Lord. Because if he can use a teenager to fight Goliath, he can use you. And so as we begin to look at this story, let, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, dear God, uh, we love you so much and we just thank you for all you do for us. We thank you for being a God who not only sent his son to die on the cross for our sins so we can have a relationship with you, but you're also a God who loves us and wants to use us, Lord. And, and so I pray that as we go through this story, even though it's a very familiar story and many of us in this church has, has heard it since we were, we were young, Lord, I pray that you will speak to each and every one of us. You'll use it to encourage and convict uh, wherever it needs to do in our lives, Lord. 
Uh, we love you, um, and Lord, just put me aside and, and use this time um, to, to just speak to us all. Amen. And so the first thing we're going to read about is David, and we're going to talk about is victory requires complete obedience. Victory requires complete obedience. In the verses we just read, we learned some things about David. And, and point A is David was obedient where he was needed. In verse 15, there's just one simple verse. We see that David went back to his father's, father's to, to take care of the sheep. And you, as you're reading through that, you might think, well, what's the big deal? We all know David, he was a shepherd. He was a warrior. He was a king. We all know he was a shepherd, right? Well, the big deal is David's going places at this point. For David to go back and take care of the sheep, it's kind of a big deal because in chapter 16, right before this story, we see that God's going to replace King Saul because of his disobedience. And we see God sends uh, the prophet Samuel to Jesse's house and he says, listen, one of Jesse's sons is going to be the next king. I want you to anoint him. And so Samuel goes and he's looking at, you know, the, 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 the sons of Jesse and he brings out the oldest and that's not him. And he goes to the next six sons and it's not him. And we see what happens in, in 1 Samuel 6, 11 through 13. And it says, and Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the, Lord, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And so here we see David is being anointed the next king of Israel. You have a teenager. And he's just being told, Listen, you're going to be the next king to lead God's people. And then if that's not enough, we see in 1 Samuel 6, 21 through 22, and it's there for your reference, it'll be on the screen, but I'm not going to read it. But basically what happens is David goes to work for Saul. He's in the palace. He's his armor bearer. And so David has, has moved up the, up the ladder a little bit. He, he's way more than just a shepherd now. But David had responsibilities his father had given him. So you know what David did? He said, listen, I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch the sheep. I'm going to go where God wants me to be. I'm going to go where I'm told to go. And David very easily could have been entitled and told his dad something along the lines of, listen, dad, I know that you need to have me come back and watch the sheep, but you know I'm the next king, right? Like, you know that I'm working in the palace, right? I mean, you, listen, if you have kids, you, you hear these excuses. You hear, you, you know what kids, especially teenagers, are going to say. They're going to come up with excuses. Like, I don't have time to be a shepherd. I'm going places. But just David knew he needed to be obedient to his father. So you know what he did? He went where he was supposed to be. At that moment, David, you know, God didn't need David to be in the battle. That time was coming, but David simply was content being where God had him. And that's an important thing to do. Because my fear for some of us is that we're not where God wants us. So many people want victory, but the problem is, are you where God wants you to be? Are you serving where God wants you to serve? Are you faithful to church? Are you sharing the gospel? Are you doing what God is calling you to do? And we're very blessed at FBC with sound teaching. We have LFBI and we can be trained. And sometimes my fear is we just know a lot of stuff. We're real smart sometimes. And my fear is, is sometimes some of the younger people and even some of the older people, we just know so much. And the Lord's calling us to do things. The Lord's calling us to be pastors or, or missionaries. And that's awesome. That, that should happen. But... Sometimes I think we, we can easily get entitled and think, man, that's where I'm heading. But the problem is that's not where we're at. And the problem is, is sometimes I think we, we can look at some of the other areas in, in church where we should be serving and be like, well, nah, I, I'm above that. 
I mean, who wants to serve with the kids? I, just, I get it. I, I struggle. I love my kids, but I don't like little kids sometimes. I'm just going to be honest. I don't know if I should say that from the pulpit, but I get it. Why should I be a greeter? Why should I be on the awareness team? I'm going to be something. But the problem is you're not there yet, and the reality is we need to learn from David and just be where God tells us to be. So the question for all of us is, in my life, am I being obedient to God where he needs me? But that's not all we see from David and his obedience. The next thing we see, David was obedient when he was asked to go. If it's not enough, David was obedient to go back and watch the sheep after he was going places. We see in verses 17 and 22, David asked him to run an errand. You know, David's dad comes to him and says, hey, uh, could you take some cheese and bread to your brothers? Ooh, good times. And I think it's important to remember, though, that David was where he was supposed to be. He was watching the sheep, so therefore, he was where God wanted him, and God could use him to do the next step. If you want to be used by God, you know what you need to do? You need to be where God wants you. And then when God says to do more, you need to just go do it. And we talk so much about being obedient to the Lord, and, and so many of us are, but sometimes I think we, we think we get to pick and choose. Sometimes I think, ah, yeah, we're going to do this, but maybe we won't do that, and Deuteronomy 28.1 reminds us, and it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And the reality is God's not asking you to obey him to do some things. He's asking you to obey him in all things. He's asking you to do everything he calls you to do. He's not asking you to pick and choose. He's not asking you to argue. He's not even asking you to like it. He's just asking you to do it. Just do what God's calling you to do. And when you're obedient in all things, you know what, that's when God's going to use you to get victory. And I'm sure David wasn't thinking about victory when he was going back to feed the sheep. And I'm sure he wasn't thinking about victory when and his dad said, hey, go, go, go deliver some cheese. But God was preparing him to put him in a place where he could get victory. In the beginning of verse 20, we see that David rose up early the next morning and he did what he was asked. He didn't argue. He didn't fight with his dad. He didn't come up with excuses. You know what he did? He rose up early at the first possible time he could go and he just went. In John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I think there's a lot of Christians who say they love Jesus, but you know what they don't do? They don't do the simple things God asks them to do. There's a lot of Christians who say they love God, but you know what? Well, I don't necessarily want to clean up all the sin in my life. I love Jesus, but I don't want to be that faithful to church. I don't necessarily want to serve all the time. Like, you want me to share the gospel everywhere I go, Lord? Like, really everywhere? And the Lord reminds us, listen, if you truly love the Lord, you know what you're going to do? You're going to be obedient in anything he asks, whenever he asks, wherever you are without arguing, and you're going to do it to the best of your ability because that's what David's doing. That's the example David's given us of complete obedience. And in 1 Samuel 17, we see David takes the food to his brother. He goes, he's starting to have a conversation, and then Goliath comes out for his daily challenge. Everybody's afraid. David starts having some conversation. He's trying to figure some things out. He's like, what's going on here? But at this point, David's obedience has led him to a place where he's going to be put in a position to choose if he wants to allow the Lord to get victory or not. 
but we are going to see that there's going to be some obstacles in David's way. Before he can get victory, there's going to be some obstacles he's going to have to get over. And point number two is victory requires overcoming obstacles. And as you choose to be obedient to the Lord, the Lord's going to begin to use you. That's what the Bible says. As you choose to be obedient, you're going to get close to the Lord, and he's going to start using you, and you're going to start seeing victory in your life. But the problem with that is, is we have an enemy. And our enemy does not want us to get victory for the Lord. You're not going to start getting victory in your life and overcoming sin and overcoming different things and, and sharing the gospel. And all of a sudden, you know, Satan's going to be like, oh, well, I guess that guy's obedient. He's going to move on to the next guy. That's not what's going to happen. He's going to throw some obstacles up. And in this story, we're going to look at three different obstacles that David has to deal with. And these are three things that I think we all end up having to deal with. And the first thing that he deals with is what I'm calling outside noise. And so we're going to pick up the story in verse 25. And it says, the man of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy, to, to defy Israel if he has come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the man that stood by him saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? It's a great statement. And the Lord answered, and the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard what he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why comest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left these few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him towards another and spake of the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. So, so David hears Goliath's challenge, and unlike the rest of the army, he says, listen, let's go. I'll go. Just send me. I'll go fight him. This is a teenager, seeing a giant. He's like, whatever, I'll go. But when David starts asking questions, and he starts saying, I'm going to go, you know what he's not met with? He's not met with support. He's not met with encouragement. He's met with opposition and anger. His very own brother questions why he's there. They call him prideful. They say he has naughtiness in his heart. You know what that means? It means that he has a wicked heart. They're accusing David of being wicked. And it's interesting, his brothers should have trusted the Lord and stepped up. They should have been the ones to go down and fight. They should have remembered Deuteronomy 20, but they didn't. So I think in their conviction, you know what they did? They lashed out at the one guy who says, I'm going to go down there and fight him. But David kept moving forward. He didn't let his brother discourage him. He didn't let his brothers distract him. He finally gets to talk to Saul. And you know what Saul said? You're too young. Which, to be honest, is a fair assessment. He's a teenager. He says, you're not going to be able to do it. And this whole time, David's just trying to obey the Lord. He's just trying to follow the Lord. He's just doing what his dad asked him to do. Now now he sees someone who's who's defying the armies of God. He's like, why isn't anybody standing up? I'll do it. And David was trying to obey and follow the Lord. And listen, nobody was on his side. There wasn't a single person in that army that was going to be on his side. And the reality is 
that far too often when you decide to go all in for the Lord and you decide to be obedient and you decide to allow the Lord to use your life to get victory, you know what? You're gonna be alone sometimes. It's just gonna be you and God. Because sometimes following the Lord can be a very lonely place and you need to be like David and keep moving forward. And you need to have David's response to these guys. And I put this in your note, remember who and what you are fighting for. Because David's response to his brother in verse 29, it says, and David said, what, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And I do want to point out at this time, you know what, whenever someone accuses you of being wicked and prideful and, and you're just trying to serve the Lord and you're not really being wicked and prideful, you know what you kind of want to do? You kind of want to tell that person, you don't know what the heck you're talking about. You want to fight. You want to stand up for yourself. David's like, oh, no, no, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to get mad. He did what Proverbs 15:1 says. He's a soft answer turneth away wrath but grievous words stir up anger. David just chose to respond righteously and not try to fight and argue with his brothers. He just said, listen, what have I done? I just obeyed my dad. I went and watched the sheep and now I'm bringing you cheese and I just want to stand up. I just want to do what you should be doing. And then he asked a great question. Is there not a cause? He's saying, hey, the giant's mocking us. God's on our side. Because listen, David, while he was a shepherd, surely would have remembered and read through Deuteronomy 20. He knew who was on his side. We're going to see that. And when we're faced with outside noise like David, we just need to remember, first and foremost, there is a cause. Christian, when you wake up, there's a cause to go preach the gospel to all the world. There's a cause to make disciples. If you're married, there's a cause to be the best spouse God is calling you to be. If you have kids, there's a cause to be a godly parent. And first and foremost, and most important, there's a cause to live a life bringing glory to God. And that's what David's trying to do. So we must forget the outside noise and focus. Focus solely on God and what he's calling us to do. And I know that a lot of times doubt will begin to creep in and we think maybe we can't do it. And I think we need to remember David's response to Saul. When he says, you're too young. In verse 34, David says, And David said unto Saul, The servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. The servant slew both the lion and the bear, and the uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defiled the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivereth me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. When Saul tries to cast doubt on David's ability to defeat Goliath, you know what David says? David just reminds Saul, listen, God's done some things in my past. God's delivered me from a lion and a bear, which, by the way, would have been very impressive. He says he grabbed it. He wasn't out there with a 450 Bushmaster shooting him from 100 yards away. Like the, dude, the dude's taking on lions and bears and he said, listen, God gave me those victories. He'll give me this one. He wasn't allowing doubt to creep in. And listen, if I'm being honest, one of my biggest struggles is doubt and worry. I haven't felt the greatest this week. I woke up this morning at like 2.30 and, and just doubt of, of this message over, just flowing. It's just the way I am. It's how I'm built. I know that some of you are like that. Some of you, you don't really worry. I have a friend and he's, he's just like, yeah, it's gonna be fine. You're gonna be great. And I was like, well, that's easy for you to say. But the doubt and the worry start to creep in. You're too young, David. And I get it. And in those moments, what we have to do is we have to remember what God's already done for us. We have to remember what his word says. We have to, you know, filter everything through Philippians 4 and what, what the things are true and honest. 
We can't let the outside noise that's there and the doubt that's trying to creep in affect how we're going to serve the Lord. This is the moment when we need to be like David and remind ourselves, listen, who's on our side? 2 Timothy 4, 17 and 18 says, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me thy preaching, uh, the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Listen, there's a lot going on in those verses. Those are amazing verses. But whenever you're willing to be obedient to the Lord, and you're willing to say, God, please do anything in my life, I'll do anything. So you can get the victory through me. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter even what you think in the doubt because the reality is God will stand with you. He promises you that. Not only is he going to stand with you, he's going to give you the strength. David says, is there a cause? Of course, listen, of course we have a cause. And you know what? God's given us a cause. And he also says, listen, if you do the cause, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. God's going to deliver us. And he's going to give us victory. And David was about to do something crazy. He was about to do something a bunch of grown men wouldn't do. He was about to do something the king wouldn't do. He was about ready to fight a giant. And this is his response. He says, listen, I'm going to do it because the Lord's going to help me. In Psalm 77, 11, it says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O Lord, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doeth wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. And when the outside noise comes, you have to remember what God has already done for you. Christian, if all God ever did for you is save your soul whenever you cried out to him and received him as, as your savior, isn't that enough? Isn't it enough that he's forgiven your sins? Isn't it enough that you went from being the enemy of God to the son of God? Isn't it enough that he made you a new creature and that he's promised to strengthen you, he's promised to fight for you, he's promised to help you? Man, God does so much more. Verse 13 of Psalm 77 says, who is so great a God as our God? Listen, the answer to that is nobody. God is great. In the midst of our doubt, we can never forget that. In the midst of being, maybe you're alone and you're fighting this battle, listen, God is greater than anything. We serve a God who does wonders. We serve a God that is great and he wants to use you to get victory. So when the outside noise creeps in, just continue on like David did. But that wasn't the only obstacle. The other obstacle David was facing was worldly solutions. So Saul's desperate at this point. Nobody else is fighting and he's too big of a wimp to go down and fight himself. So he says, okay, we're gonna let David do it. And his solution was to give him his armor. In verse, seven, or verse 38, you see, and Saul's uh, armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head also. He armed with him with a coat of mail. And in the beginning of verse 39, it says, and David girded his sword upon his armor. And so it makes sense that Saul said, listen, well, I'm not going to send you down with what you got now. Let, let's put some armor on, and let's go fight the battle with my sword. You're like, well, that makes sense, right? He's a teenager. We're going to give him the best available weapons. But here's the problem. Earlier in, in, in 1 Samuel, you're going you're gonna to learn that Saul was a big dude. It says he was like a head above everybody else. Saul was tall. David was a teenager. That armor ain't fitting. The sword's going to be big. And Saul's solution wasn't to trust God in any way, shape, or form. He proved that by not going out and battle himself. Paul's solution was to hand him weapons of war. 
And so often when we face our Goliath, it doesn't always make sense to do things God's way. So often it's very tempting to fix our own problems with worldly solutions. And sometimes I think we forget what Troy has said a time or two, that the world hates you. And as we find ourselves running, but yet we find ourselves running back to that world that hates us to solve our problems. And they're going to offer you these solutions. And you know what? Sometimes the solutions even make sense. They don't line up with God's word, but they kind of make sense. And David's response to that was stick with doing things God's way. Verse 39, it says, And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go. I'm not going to go. For he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with, uh, I cannot go with these. For I have not proved them, and David put them off him. And this is crazy to me. He took his staff in his hand, and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistines. And David said, listen, I've not fought with that armor. It's not mine. I've not proved it. And so you know what he did? He took the things that had proved him. He took his staff and his slingshot, and he grabbed some stones, and he said, listen, I'm just going to trust the Lord. This is what God's used in the past, so this is what he's going to use right now. I'm just going to trust God. And to Saul and the whole army, that would have made no sense at all. It would have made sense to go down with at least weapons of war. But to David, you know what made sense? It was to take his staff, some stones, and a sling and just trust the Lord because that's what he's always done. And now we all know the end of the story, but I'm guessing at this point there isn't a single person on the side of Israel, the side of the Philistine, that thought, man, David's going to win this war. It's ludicrous. It really is. I mean, listen, I know we all know this story. I know most of you have heard it your whole life, but think about it. It is ludicrous that a teenager is taking a staff, some stones, and a slingshot to fight a man of war that's probably 10 foot tall. And if we're real honest, if we're watching this, we're thinking he ain't winning. The scenario made sense to two people in this story, though. It was David and God. Because when it comes to getting victory, we have a choice. Are we going to trust God and do it his way, or are we going to do it our way? And so often, sadly, I think we do it our way. Listen, I'm just as guilty, by the way. Zechariah 4.6 says, Then he answered and spoke unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Like I said before, sometimes the truth is worldly solutions make sense. And sometimes I think we, we can use them and we can do it on our own and we can handle our own battles and we can get through all this stuff with our might and our power. And God says, no, you can't. You can only do it through the Lord, through his spirit. And only true victory comes by surrendering to the Lord and sticking to what works. And what works is right here. It's his word. What works is obedience to it. What works is, is, is just realizing that God's word is our authority and we're just going to do what it says and we're going to do what he calls us to do. And we have so many battles that people are fighting all around us right now. Lost people and Christians alike, listen, depression and suicide, drugs, alcohol, anxiety, worry, pornography addiction, all that stuff is off the charts if you look at the statistics. And the world is offering ways to, to help you with some of it and the reality is it's helping you ways to jump into it more than it's actually helping you. And so many people are trying to get out of those things, and you know what? They try. And so many Christians are trying to break some form of addiction or find peace. Man, if that's you and you can't find it, then you need to do it the Lord's way. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If you want victory... 
You have to take control of your thoughts and your imaginations and all your actions, and you need to stop trying to control them in a carnal, in a fleshly way. God's solution is to take every thought and every action and run them through the word of God. Filter it all out through God's word. And if your life doesn't line up with God's word, then you change. God's word doesn't change. And if you want victory, you need to be willing to do it this way and God's way. And when you do it God's way, listen, truly, especially in 2023, almost 2024, if you're going to do it this way, there's going to be times where it might just be you and God. You're blessed to have a church that's going to support you, but sometimes when you're out there in the world, it might just be you and God. It might not make sense. But Jeff always says, you plus God is the majority. And that's always stuck with me. It's very simple, but the reality is, do you believe that? Just you and God is the majority? Because David did. David wasn't walking down there with anybody else. And when David was walking towards Goliath, he was a weak, foolish teenager in the eyes of the world. He wouldn't even take the weapons of war. But because he was sticking with what, with what had worked, he had the Lord on his side. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 29 says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to not things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Luckily for us, God is in the business of using people who are weak, who are foolish enough just to stick to his book, to follow his plan. He's, he, listen, he's in the business of doing that. He's not in the business of using people who are like, oh yeah, I can do it on my own. Oh, I got a better way. Oh, the world's got a great solution. He's just in the business of using people who are foolish enough to do it his way. And the reality is, if you're doing it God's way, it's not foolish, but I tell you what, the world will tell you are. And the last obstacle we're going to look at that David had to face was Goliath himself. And his fi- final obstacle was fear. So this is the moment right before the battle. It's the final confrontation. They're coming face to face. And if, if you've ever watched UFC, this was like the press conference the night or, or day before. This is where everybody kind of talks smack. They pretend they're tough. Sometimes they throw things at each other, whatever. They're just getting their final words in. And so Goliath gets his words in. In verse 41, it says, And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare his shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and was of, of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. And so when David, Goliath sees David, he mocks him. Like, who's this little punk? You're coming to me with that weapon? That's what you're going to use to beat me? And once again, pretend you didn't hear the story. You got a teenager facing a Goliath, a Goliath, a huge 10-foot guy, a man of war. It's easy to know the story. It's easy to hear this all the time and think, well, well David's going to win. But imagine the moment that David is standing in front of Goliath. Imagine how scary that could have been. But you know what's interesting? Nowhere in here do you see David at one time ever flinch. David never shows fear. I'll be honest with you, I would probably have shown some fear. I probably would have ran. But the reality is, David's like, okay, I'm just going to trust the Lord. But I do want to point out, uh, Goliath is a good warning for all of us. Goliath comes down, he has all the confidence in himself. I'm a big dude, I got my weapons, 
You're a tiny dude. I'm, I'm going to squish you like a bug. I'm going to rip you apart. I'm going to feed you the animals. That, that's the plan. He was relying fully on his skills. And it's tempting as a Christian sometimes that we rely on our skills. But Philippians 3.3 3 warns us. For we are of the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Learn a quick lesson from Goliath. Relying on your flesh is never going to get you victory. He's going to die soon. His reliance on his flesh did not go so well. And Christian, if you rely on your flesh, it's not going to go so well. And David's response to, to Goliath's threat, threat is simply keep the faith. Verse 45, we see David's response. It wasn't fear. It wasn't to run. It wasn't to second guess. He said, then said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts and God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hands, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day under the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. And all the his, this assembly shall know that the Lord saved not with a sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And so Goliath wasn't the only one that had a good smack talk game. David responds, and listen, but the, David's reliance, was none of it was on him. David's not relying on him. David says, I, I come in the name of the Lord. The Lord will deliver me. I'm going to kill you, and so all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. All, all this assembly is going to know that the Lord saves. The battle is the Lord's. David wasn't fearful because, listen, the Lord was on his side, and he believed that. David's whole game plan was complete faith in the Lord. There was no reliance on himself, because if there was, he would have lost. Psalms 18, 2 through 3 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. That, those are amazing verses. Look, look at all the things he says. The Lord is my rock, my fortress. My, he, the Lord is so much for us if we just allow him to be. And listen, I know some of you have been going through some battles. I know that some of you in here, 2023 was a terrible year. Some of you have faced things that have been horrible, have been painful, and I understand, and, I, and my heart breaks for you. Some of you have some very real and very legitimate fears, and listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to take away from that. I promise you that. Some of you are currently going through a battle, and you know what? You just desperately need victory. You just need a victory. And there's probably a few people in here that not only do you need a victory, but the reality is you don't believe there's a victory anywhere in sight for you. And can I just encourage you, just do what David did. Just place your faith in the Lord. And listen, I, I know this is a 1030 service as FBC, and that sounds so simple, but man, just, put, just place your faith in the Lord. Can you do that? Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. And there's safety running to the Lord. You're not finding safety anywhere else. You're not, certainly not finding safety out in the world. But you can find safety and you can find refuge. You can find strength in the Lord. And David was smart enough to know that if he was obedient and righteous, he would be safe placing all his faith in the Lord. And what an encouragement that is. What an encouragement it is, guys, that any time we want, we can just run to the Lord. I think sometimes we as Christians can take that for granted. 
We can take for granted that anytime we want, we can go boldly to the throne of God. Anytime we want, we can go talk to our God and he wants to be there. He wants to hear us. He will respond through his word. What a blessing that is. And so as you're facing the battle, as I said before, let me encourage you, just be like David. Keep the faith. Don't rely on yourself. Don't be like Goliath. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves. Listen, don't think anything of yourselves. Listen, Josh Irvin on my best day is ridiculous. I can't even win a dude perfect game against my kids. I got fourth. I beat one of them. I was pretty happy about that. But that verse says, but our sufficiency is of God. Are you willing just to place all your sufficiency, all your trust, all your hope in God? And let the chips fall where they may. Let God do whatever God's going to do. Are you willing to do that? Because when fear sets in, the last person we should count on is ourselves. And when fear sets in, we should simply do what the psalmist says in Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathens. I will be exalted in the earth. And as the fear sets in and Like I said, maybe 2023 was a bad year. Maybe 2024 isn't shaping up to be much better. Maybe there's a time you just need to be still and remember that God is God. Maybe there's a time that you have to remember, listen, life's rough and things aren't looking great, but you know what? There will be a day when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and everybody on the earth will will exalt our God. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's worth, right? And I get in the middle of the battle. That's really hard. It's hard to be still. We want to fight. We want, we want to try to fix the problems. Sometimes we just need to be still, focus on God, filter around the fear, and then do what he calls us to do. Just be still and know that he's bigger than your problems. Know that he cares. Know that he loves you. Be still and know that in the end, he's going to be exalted. Truly, Christian, he has everything under control. I know 2024 is coming and It's election year and everything gets a little crazy in election years. But listen, God's in control. He's got a plan. He's working it all out for his glory. But do you believe that? And so David kept the faith and over every obstacle, he just kept running. He just kept going. And the last thing and the last process of victory and the the, the path of victory is, is number three. It's victory requires going on the offensive. Listen, at some point in your battle, at some point, if God's going to ask you to do something and he's asking you to take your next steps, you're going to actually have to do it. I know that's very simple, but you're going to have to take action. Because so far, up to this point, David has said all the right things. He's talked a great game. But up until this point, he hadn't taken action yet. And sometimes, Christians, I, I think we're really good at saying the right things, right? We get around our Christian friends and we, all, we, we know the verses, we know what we're supposed to say, we know how we're supposed to act. We come to church, we do all the right things and we can run our mouths really well. But far too often, sometimes we don't act on it. Because the reality is, talk is cheap. It doesn't matter how much you know, it doesn't matter how much you say, it doesn't matter if you don't act on it. Listen, if you know me, when it comes to playing sports and different games, I am the king of running my mouth with having no ability to back it up. None. Um, recently, there's been some freshmen from Dover coming. They, they play on the basketball team, and one of them challenged me to a one-on-one match, and they were all three standing around me. So I said, challenge accepted. I'm going to kick your butt. And then I didn't stop there, though. Oh, how I wish I would have stopped there. 
I said, I'm going to kick your butt, and then I, I saved the best. The one, listen, in my mind, I know I can't beat this kid. I just know it. I know. I said, I'm going to kick your butt last. That's exactly the words I said. It was not smart. I said that on a Wednesday, the night of hope of the next night, and they said, are you ready for the challenge? We're going to play next Wednesday. Yeah, and, I, and of course, I said yes. I kept talking smack. It's just what I do. I just keep running my mouth. I'm 41 years old. I haven't played basketball in a while. The last, you know, most of the time I'm shooting around with my kids. It's a youth ball. I got nothing. I got nothing to back this up. And so we came over on a Wednesday night, and there are a few, a few of you, unfortunately, I'm looking back at Craig, few of you saw me play. It was ugly. The first kid I beat with a lucky bank shot three. I think the Lord was like, well, buddy, I don't know. I don't know what, I, if I was the Lord, I would have had me miss it. But, I, but you know, I made it and I, I should have, seriously, y'all, this is not exaggeration. I thought I was going to throw up. But what did I do? I kept running my mouth. I knew I couldn't back it up. I get to the last kid and guess what? He utterly destroyed me. Oh, well, I'm talking smack. Utterly destroyed me. I mean, I felt like I couldn't even move. I was so out of shape. It was, it was ugly. And then you know what I did? I walked back over to the Next Gen Center with him and I kept talking smack about how I'm going to beat him next week. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that smart. He beat me five, or no, he beat me four times last week. I beat him twice though. So we're getting somewhere. And did I keep running my mouth? Absolutely. And I shouldn't, but listen, I say all that to say, sometimes that's what we do as Christians. We, we talk and we talk and we talk and we talk and we have this really big game. We've got a big game plan and we talk and we talk and you know what? We never back it up. Our actions didn't back it up. My actions can't back it up, and I knew it. Listen, in these moments where, where the God's calling you to do something, and you say all the right things, but you never do it, listen, you're, you're not bringing honor and glory to God. You're not going to get victory. Christians, at some point, we have to stop talking, and we have to be motivated into action. Because if all you do is talk, and all you do is know a lot of things, and you never act, you're never going to get victory. You're never going to bring honor to the Lord. He's never going to be able to use you. And God doesn't care how much you know and how much you talk if you don't actually act on it. And in 1 Samuel 17, verse 48, it says, And came to pass when the Philistines arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone stuck into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out and sheathed there out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Listen, after all the talk, after all the smack talk with Goliath, you know what David did? He went into action and he fought him and he got victory. And it's interesting, he didn't have a sword. And when God needed him to have a sword, he provided one. Interesting little fact there. But David ran towards Goliath with a sling and a few stones. Can you imagine that? I hope we get to see that replay in heaven. I really do. This is one of my favorite stories, and I want to see a young teenage boy charging a Goliath, charging a giant. And it's crazy to me, as you read this story, and as you just try to think about it in a new and a fresh way, that is an amazing amount of faith that David had. He had a slingshot and a staff and a few stones. And he said, my God's big enough to beat you. In Proverbs 28, 1, it says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And lions are bold, they're strong, they're the ones who generally go on the attack. They're the scary ones. 
Listen, that, that's how God's calling us to live our life. Be on the offensive. Trust the Lord. Be like David. And we're getting ready to start a new year tomorrow. Are you, are you willing to be like David? Are you willing to be obedient whatever God, in, in whatever God calls you to do? Are you willing to avoid all the obstacles that the enemy is going to throw at you and just keep moving forward in faith? Are you willing to take action? Because my prayer for myself, my family, my prayer for Ignite and Extreme and all the people in this church is that we are willing just to take action. James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the words and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Listen, we need to be doers of the word. We don't need to just be talking about it. We don't just need to be showing up on a Sunday or Wednesday and saying, oh, well, this is all great. Man, we need to take what God is showing us and we need to do it. And we've been having over 700 people come to church this year. Just imagine for a second if we all did what David did in this, this path of victory. What if we all did it? What if all our extreme kids did it? What if all our Ignite kids did it? What if all the well kids did it? What if all the adults did it? What if we did? What if every single one of us said, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to whatever you ask me to do? What do you think would happen? You know what the result of that, first and foremost, you'd get victory. God would use you. But as we're getting ready to wrap up, that's not the only thing. It's not the only thing that would happen. David's victory wasn't the only thing that happened. Read 1 Samuel 17 in, in verse 52, and it says, And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines unto, uh, unto thou came to the valley and to the gates of Ekron, and the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Shariam, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. The men who wouldn't fight suddenly had courage to fight. Christian, when you stand up and get victory, guess what happens? You motivate other people. The people who wouldn't fight may be like, well, man, if God, listen, if God can give me victory, God can give some, some guy over there victory. God can give, man, God can give a high schooler victory. You know what? He can give me victory. So maybe I'm going to try it. Through, through this story, God gave David victory, but you know what happened? Other people looked around and be like, oh my goodness, God is God. And David said, listen, through this battle, God's going to show everyone who God is. And it happened. And what would happen if not, listen, not only would we get victory in our life, but man, what happened if everybody else around us saw us living for the Lord, getting victory? Dads, moms, what, what would happen if you started to get victory in your life? What, what would that do in your family? What would it do if you allowed the Lord to get victory in your life at your job? High schoolers, middle schoolers. Listen, we just talked about a teenager killing a giant. And it's easy to skim through this. I know, you, I know many of you. My kids have heard this story. I remember reading it to them when they were a kid and I got to the end where they cut off the head and they're like, ooh. I'm like, yeah, it's a pretty cool story. David chops his head off and hands it to Saul, by the way. It's great. And you hear this so often and you take it for granted. But listen, God used a teenager who was obedient, avoided some obstacles and stepped out in faith and took action to defeat, defeat a giant I promise you, teenagers, he will use you to change your schools. You just have to do it. Just trust the Lord. It's the same for all of us. If we choose to allow God to use us to get victory, listen, we're going to get victory. We're going to change the world. That's what God wants us to do in our lives. We're going to motivate other believers. And oh, by the way, if you keep reading the story, David was heavily rewarded. Listen, maybe, maybe you spend your whole life and, you, and it's tough and it's a battle. Maybe there's a lot of times where it just feels like it's you and God. 
And by the way, those are really good times when you look back on them. Because that's where God comes through. But that's not what we're going to talk about. Man, there will be a day when we stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. And if, and if you're willing to live like David, he's going to say, well done. And we're going to be rewarded. Are we just willing to be faithful and follow the Lord? Are we willing to allow the Lord to get victory through us? Because he desperately wants to. And I want to encourage everybody here in 2024, just do what David did. Do what a simple teenager did. And we'll get victory. And dear God, uh, we do love you. Um, We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for stories where we can see where a young boy was willing just to follow you. And and Lord, I I hope that this story can be encouraging to all of us because the reality is, is that Man, if you can use a teenager in David, you can use any, any one of us, regardless of how old, regardless of how young, regardless of our past mistakes, or regardless of any of that, Lord, if we're just willing to submit to you, man, we will be able to follow you, Lord. And Lord, though we, we didn't necessarily talk about salvation, Lord, if there's someone here who, who doesn't know you and, and needs the victory of salvation, Lord, I, I pray that you work in their heart. I pray if anybody has questions, they can come talk to me, Lord. But Lord, I, I, I do pray for our church. I want, to, I want to pray for the kids in Ignite and Extreme, especially that I pray that 2024 is going to be a year where they'll just be faithful and they'll just choose to follow you and, and the Lord, that we'll get victory. But Lord, more than anything, Lord, I just pray that we'll be a church that gives you glory. We love you. Amen.